and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Tara Tuttle and with me is Rebecca Mazzino and together we're going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. Today's episode is focused on building an intentional wardrobe. So we're going to go through some steps on how or what, well, firstly, what an intentional wardrobe is and what it looks like and then how you might achieve it and how you may maintain it in the future. So hopefully you've been following along through the month of June and listening to some of our other episodes. So maybe some of you have decided to try Project 333 after last week's episode or maybe you've just been doing a bit of weeding or decluttering in your wardrobes and this is that kind of the bow on the top of the package that is wardrobes or closets which is how do you go forward what's the next step how do you create an intentional wardrobe and what's the benefits of having it so I'm a bit excited about this one Beck I like this topic Mm, me too it's one of my favorites so before we go into how and how we do it should we discuss some of the benefits like what's what's the point why should we have an intentional wardrobe yeah, definitely. Because, well, what's the point of doing something unless you actually know what it's going to give you? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, do this. And Beck and Tara said so, so just do it. Yeah. Um, so probably one of the, the first would be economical. It can save you money. There are some ways that it could not save you money and you could end up spending the same on an intentional wardrobe as an unintentional wardrobe, but that would be where you go for quality over quantity. So you may choose to still spend the same amount of money on your wardrobe, but you're actually going to be getting higher quality items. So you can save money or you can spend your money more wisely, but either way there are economical benefits to the intentional wardrobe there as well. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And an intentional wardrobe can be, Uh, can create a saving of time as well or it can be quite time Mm. efficient not only because you reduce the amount of decisions you're making in the morning or whenever whatever point of the day that you're getting getting dressed and so you don't spend as much time trying to decide what to wear but also Mm. you don't spend as much time shopping or browsing for items because you've got a clear picture of what you've got and what you need and so, you know, when those emails pop up, pop up saying, you know, your favourite store is having a sale, if you've got an intentional wardrobe and you know that the only thing that needs replacing or updating is your white shirt, then you don't spend 20 minutes scrolling the clearance pages mm. looking for, for items to take your fancy because you've got a really clear picture of what you want and what you need. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, you, sh- you shop so much less. There's so mm. much less shopping um, with an intentional wardrobe. It's it's quite amazing. And I thought that I would, I thought if you'd asked me 15 years ago if I would miss shopping, I would probably have said back then yes, that I would miss browsing for clothes and just wandering around aimlessly looking at clothes and buying them. And I probably would have thought I would miss it, but I don't miss it. And I'm actually, you know, very... I, you know, there's some, there's a sort of a, a bit of a stereotype about the way that men shop and the way that women shop. Mm-hmm. And you, you've sort of heard, probably heard that it's a bit of a generalisation, but generally you'll see that men are expected and, and tend to shop like 
they go, they know what they want, they walk in the store, they buy it, they leave, um, whereas women go on a, a three-hour expedition and buy five Only things. three hours? And- <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking and- all day shopping benders. That was like, that, yeah. that was past me, yes. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I, I would say possibly I would have maybe done it that long as well. I'm not sure. But, you know, but whereas women, yeah, go on the, the benders and, and don't just come home with what they want or actually don't even come home with what they intended to come home with in that all anyway, but five other bags of other stuff that were on sale. Well, so, think, yeah, sorry. I was going to say, I think half of it is because we don't go shopping with anything that we need. Quite often we don't even go with an idea of what we want we just go I feel like going shopping or I need to update my clothes and we just wander looking for inspiration rather than going I think you know this is what's lacking in my wardrobe I need a new pair of trousers Mm. and I need them to be in a dark shade and you know like just Mm. cutting those options down yeah 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 and I think (laughs) so I think I've got to the point where I now shop like a man but there there is one drawback to that which I might go into a little bit later there is a frustration in shopping that way um but we'll we can talk about that later it's probably the only negative thing about an intentional (laughs) wardrobe that I I find it anyway a bit frustrating but we'll 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 talk about that a little bit later when it comes to shopping so what are some more benefits then of having having an intentional wardrobe uh, the the environment benefits from it. More intentional wardrobes tend to be more quality over quantity. You tend to have a lower turnover of clothes, therefore you are uh, sending less clothes to landfill and you are buying fewer clothes and therefore um, reducing demand of clothes and therefore reducing well, one would hope <laughs> overall reducing the actual manufacturing of clothes and the resources used in the manufacturing of those clothes so it it is a little bit more environmentally sustainable to have have the intentional wardrobe than to not i am just critically aware of how good it would be to have a stat right there about environmental waste of clothes so i'm just doing a quick google yeah. search <laughs> uh, I- so you uh, can, you a, talk about another benefit, and I'm going to find us some fabulous statistic that I can put in there on how much clothes Australians right. throw away every day. Okay, we'll listen to you um, uh, ticking away. Actually, I I think I know that off the top of my head. Um, Is it six thousand kilos? I've got a, a image. It's here. half a million ton. Half a million ton of clothes go to landfill from Australia a year. I think. That's off wow. the top of my head. But you can click away while I talk about another Because thing. I remember um, Craig from War on Waste. Yeah, put Craig Castle. People, yeah, yeah 6,000 kilos of clothes in Martin Place in Sydney. Mm. Um, so that was a day's worth from, or an yeah, hour's so worth. Yeah, so I was going to say mm. I have a – was it a day or an hour? I've got a feeling it was an hour. Mm. Right. Which would be terrible. But I'm, I would it, definitely put a link to this. That's not – not my greatest statistic moment. <laughs> but I really like the fact that you had the idea. So you keep clicking though because the next yep. thing I'm going to talk about is how it saves space. So the intentional wardrobe is usually um, a smaller volume of clothes and so therefore you need less space. Uh, you don't need to take up all of the spare wardrobes or closets in the house of all of your clothes and you can actually reach all of the clothes that you use on a daily basis or on a weekly basis and um, find them all 
easily because you haven't actually crammed all of your spaces full of clothes. So you actually have a little bit less of a, a footprint in your home of the space that you take up with your clothing as well. Right, I've got it. Australians oh. are currently disposing of 6,000 kilograms of fashion and textile waste every 10 minutes. <gasps> it's worse <gasps> than thought. That's horrendous. So that's yeah. the third episode of War on Waste and I will definitely put a link to that in the show notes for yeah. any of you that haven't seen yeah. that because it's quite shocking visually to see mm-hmm. the amount. And when you, I'm thinking, yeah, it's a day. I'm sure it's a day. And you, no, it's every 10 <laughs> minutes. That's horrendous. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. We, we're, just, we're just throwing out so much and we're throwing out things that we didn't need to buy in the first place and we can stop that. We can really slow down on that and and we can be yeah much more intentional so now one of the the benefits that you talked about from project 333 is actually a benefit of the intentional wardrobe and you talked about less decision making yeah i really really liked that and that is something that has stuck with me i used to spend way too much time in the morning like okay probably 10 minutes, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I really like a sleep it. And if I could trade that 10 minutes of decision-making time for 10 minutes more sleep, I would definitely take it. And mm. I would just stand there and go, oh, I don't know what to wear. I don't know. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too, and I think it was because there were too many options or I'd go, I really want to wear that top today. Okay. Now I've got 55 different things that could go on the bottom. I could wear a skirt or a long, like a maxi skirt mm. or a short one, or do I wear tights? Do I wear jeans? Which jeans? The ones with the rips or the ones with no, you know, like just mm. overload. And Too that was, many. yeah. And I think it was, it kind of wears you down and it's almost the opposite. You think having more clothes and more options mm. would inspire you. But for me personally, I found it the other way. I just found it a bit overwhelming. Mm. And then, yeah, removing that by having, you know, firstly being able to see everything in your wardrobe is a bonus. But then yeah. having less items to choose from and cutting down that decision, it's like, okay, cool, it's a cold day. So I'm going to pick one of my few pairs of trousers and, you know, one of mm. my warm jumpers and off we go, you know. Yeah. So yeah. that's, I think that's a huge benefit. Yeah, I've ended up with a little bit of a uniform and so it, it, it. I usually decide what I'm wearing for the day while I'm in the shower and if there is a chance, if, if on the small chance that what I've decided to wear happens to be in the wash, I need to make an adjustment once I get to my wardrobe. But usually I'll know already whether it's available or not and it's just a matter of, for me, choosing um, a colour scheme I guess and then putting together the co- combination of the same things so in winter I wear pants or jeans and and I wear a, a button-down shirt and a knit over the top of that and then a coat over the top of that again and so for me it's like okay I have a certain number of knits and I have a certain number of shirts. So while I'm in the shower, I just go, okay, am I going to go with the blue palette or the black palette? And once I've decided on that, then I decide on the knit, depending on how cold it is or how I feel. And then from there, I decide on the shirt and then it's done. And so it doesn't really take very long at all because I'll have like, you know, I've got several knits and then I've got several 
shirts that go with several those all of those knits and so it's sort of just a matter of you know even sometimes if the, there's only one left that's clean it'll still go with at least one of those those knits that mm-hmm. I've picked out so it still only takes a few minutes so I've ended up with a kind of a wardrobe it's different in summer I'm a little bit more um I have more variety in summer but in winter it's just my basic uniform is yeah shirt knit jeans or pants I've been <laughs> choosing my outfits based on my scarves lately because it is cold (laughs) because I've got some beautiful like cashmere and beautiful winter woolly warm scarves which only come out kind of in the depths of winter so I probably only Mm. wear them for six or eight weeks a year because they're almost too warm I'm like oh it's that it's that I'm right in the zone so I'm like okay which scarf do I want to wear today and then the rest just comes from that so I'm you work your way down myself yeah Hmm. That's it. I get over it by the time I get to the bottom. So shoes, whatever. Do they match? (laughs) (laughs) Just keep your feet warm. (laughs) Yeah, that's Okay, so benefits. We're almost at the end of our our benefits. What else have we got? Um, Talk to me about ethics, Beck. How is having an intentional wardrobe more ethical? Okay, it doesn't necessarily have to be. Uh, So if you're not interested in ethical wardrobes, then you don't have to do that in order to have an intentional wardrobe. But a lot of people who do go on an intentional wardrobe journey end up because they end up with, by actually literally with an intentional wardrobe, they find that they can then, there's a little bit more room to look at things like ethics and sustainability. And there's might, there might be a little bit more money in the budget for spending a bit more, making sure that the clothes that you're buying aren't costing somebody else a lot um, by way of their lives, um, their health and those kinds of things, their rights, their civil rights. And so if you, once you have an intentional wardrobe and once it's ticking along nicely, going ethical, it could be a logical step and so it could be something that you start doing. And I've been doing that uh, um, a little bit. Occasionally I'll still buy something whether I know the manufacturer has ethical practices or not but it is something I'm a lot more aware of and I'm I'm working towards doing it more and more and also trying to buy locally a bit too. I guess when like part of the crux of an intentional wardrobe the the idea is to have less but better and Mm. generally speaking when you're buying better quality clothes the price tag is going to be higher and generally speaking the better quality clothes you buy the more ethically they're made but not always the case, clearly. When you're not shopping at those really um, cheap, fast fashion kind of stores because you're looking for a piece that will last you several years Mm. and you're looking at something that's not just fashionable today but something that's you know, will stay stylish or will suit your style longer term, then, you know, avoiding those fast fashion chains is a really quick way to start being mindful Mm. about the ethics of it because those kind of shops are, and again, this is massive generalisation, but are mm. not concerned with ethics because they, their main concern is the bottom line. And so if they have to cut corners to be able to give you a top for $7.50, then then they will cut those corners in terms of wages and conditions yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree generally. And you're right, generally speaking, but I just cannot see how a $4 T-shirt cannot cost somebody something somewhere and usually I see the cost at being to 
to the vulnerable. Um, so I, it sort of does concern me a little bit, though, um, which is why I avoid places like Kmart, and, which is or Target if you're in America, but because I know the, Target are the Kmart of America. <laughs> yeah, and there's there's a couple of really good documentaries on Netflix the names of which are currently escaping me, but that look into yes. um, fashion and where what you buy comes from. And, yeah, if you've got the time, check them out. Yeah, we'll put the links in the show notes because, they're yeah, they're definitely worth watching. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the main one that I was thinking of, but it's kind of got one name, just like a one-word name, but and I can't think of it It's not Consumed? Mm, no, is Consumed is the decluttering one. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I no. But it's something like that. It's it's something like that, but I just can't remember it right now. We're doing well today, aren't we, Tara? I know. With our, uh, prep. Right. Yeah. It's anyway. right. I'm Googling. I'm Googling. You keep uh... <laughs> <laughs> The True Cost is one of them. That is one that I've seen. Have you seen The True Cost? Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Yep. I thought it was a short title. Yep. The True Cost is the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Thank you. See, you did remember. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> Carry on. All right. Thank you, so, Google. Where would we be without you? The next thing I want to talk about are the characteristics of an intentional wardrobe. And probably there's a few uh, that we can go through. And basically this is kind of how you know when you've got it, you know, what, what does it look like and how do you know when you've got an intentional wardrobe. So the first point would be that it holds no more clothes than can comfortably fit in your wardrobe. And by comfortably I don't mean just physically or space taken up I mean comfortably that the clothes have room to breathe that they swish when you run your hands along the hanging clothes that there is air around the folded clothes and and things like that so um it has no more you can move your hangers yeah oh wardrobes where all the hangers are so tightly packed that you can't even Mm. slide them I'm like that yeah Yeah. that drives me yeah yeah so an intentional wardrobe doesn't look like that it also Mm. holds only items that you love that fit and that make you feel comfortable. So they have to meet those criteria. Or if you're not into being comfortable and you're into being sexy, then that they make you feel sexy. Or if you're into feeling serious or you're into feeling fun, you know, it makes you feel that way. So it's basically they make you feel like you and and how you want to feel. And then leading on from that, an intentional wardrobe only has the styles that suit you and the sizes that fit you. Mm. I do know that there are people who drastically go up and down in size quite regularly and they do need to keep three sizes in their wardrobe. And that's fine. You can have three sizes in an intentional wardrobe. It just means you'll have less of each size really in order to make it fit comfortably, um, to meet that criteria of fitting comfortably. So um, you don't necessarily have to have just the sizes that fit you, but it is best that to avoid your fat clothes and your skinny clothes as much as possible. Yeah. Would you advocate then that if you're keeping more than your current size, that you put the size that doesn't fit away? Or would you say that that should still be out and hanging or folded or whatever? I'd probably sort of maybe replace my seasonal rotation with a size rotation and mm-hmm. and do it that way and have sort of a couple of uh, off sizes up away. Only if you expect to go up and down. If you tend to not go up and down dramatically. And and most people who do this know very well that they do and they have a very distinct pattern of doing it. If you sort of think I might lose weight or I might gain weight, then don't do it. It's more of a I will gain weight and I will lose weight, so I have to do it. 
it's sort of that mindset. So um, it's sort of a, the difference between a just if, a, what was it, a just for when or a just in case. Just in case. Yeah, and so if it's a just for when, then, yeah, keep them and rotate them. If it's a just in case, uh, unless they're really high quality and you're looking forward to getting back into them again, best getting rid of them. And while we're on the size thing, I would encourage people, if you are trying to lose weight or in the process of losing weight on on your way to your goal, don't buy clothes that are too small for you that you are hoping Mm. to get into because uh, it's such a trap. Firstly, because like we discussed earlier, I think another episode, they hang there and then cause that feeling of guilt that you haven't got yeah, there yet. Yeah, feel like a failure. And maybe if it's if it's one thing which is, you know, your inspiration, that's fine. But when you start acquiring half a wardrobe of clothes that are too small for you that you can't wait to get into, it kind of sets you up for failure and it reminds you every day when you go to get dressed that you're not there mm. yet and that's not how you want to be starting your day. The other thing is um, when you reach your goal weight how awesome then to be able to go out and buy some new clothes that fit you that you like then like what a treat what a celebration rather than buying something today that is in current fashion but I might not reach my goal weight for another 18 months and by the time I get there this is either completely out of fashion or you know is no longer what I'm interested Mm. in wearing you know save it and and celebrate by buying your new size clothes when you get there rather than and then you can early. buy um, clothes that all match together as well. If you're buying clothes yeah. independently of each other, it sort of goes against the whole intentional wardrobe thing because you want you want all of your stuff to match in an intentional wardrobe. And if you're buying things sort of just for when or just in case and you're buying them sort of independently, you're not going to be thinking about the other items in your wardrobe that you'll be wearing at the same time. So that sort of Mm. will send you backwards as well. That goes in beautifully to our next characteristic of an intentional wardrobe is that it only has a few of the colours that suit you, not all of the colours that suit you, um, just the ones that complement each other. Mm. You already do this, don't you, too? Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk shortly about colour palettes and stuff like that. But when you, you know, narrow down your your palette of colours that suit you, there can be 21 Mm. colours in that palette or something like that and you're not going to keep that many colours in your wardrobe. Well, (laughs) if you can, uh, then it's probably not an intentional wardrobe. So pick the ones either that you like or you feel suit you best and try and go with a more reduced Mm. palette, I think. Yep, yep, definitely. Another characteristic is that an intentional wardrobe has items that you intend to last a long time so they're not things that just last a season. They are things that you, you're thinking, I'm going to have these for 10 years and I'm going to be wearing these for 10 years or wearing this for 10 years. It's not sort of a, oh, it'll do for this season. It's only $5 and it'll be out of fashion next year. So I'll just buy it anyway. It's not that kind of wardrobe. It tends to have things that you want to last you for a long time and have um Oh, I was just about to say have a long, have a low per wear cost, but that's our next characteristic as well is that these items that you, you do have in your wardrobe have a very low per wear cost, not a low cost, but a low per wear cost. Yeah, well, if you think of um, like a great, for me, I would have to go, you know, a great pair of jeans. Mm. 
they might have cost me $200, but I've had them for four years and worn them at least, you know, twice a week in winter and maybe once a week in summer. But, you know, and so then when you break it down, you're like, that's that's really yeah, good value. Sure. Rather than, you know, a fashionable top that I've bought to, you know, go with whatever the current season trend is worn five times in a summer and then by the following summer decide I don't like it mm. anymore. Even if that was only $50, that's still $10 yeah. a wear. Yeah, mm. that's true. Yep. Another characteristic is that back to what we said about the benefits is that it, your wardrobe, and it doesn't have to, but it may have only or a high volume of ethically produced clothing and it may have a, a high volume of environmentally friendly fabrics or maybe environmentally friendly fabrics only. I'm not an ironer and so I struggle <laughs> with this because I like fabrics that don't really need to be ironed and most fabrics that don't need to be ironed are not natural. <laughs> so like your cottons <laughs> and your linens, um, I love them because I know that they will break down eventually one day, whereas the polyesters, uh, you know, basically you're wearing plastic won't but at the same time the the side of me that says but you have to iron that sometimes wins <laughs> mm, yep well i'm i'm happy with that i'll just add it to the iron yeah. pile <laughs> yeah you you you've probably got a lot more environmentally friendly fabrics than than me and unfortunately i'm allergic to wool so i can't do the wool thing um which is oh, yeah really it's a bit annoying i have to have a couple of if i do wear i've got a couple of top of knits with wool blends and wool, usually wool and cotton and angora blends. And I'll have to, if the wool percentage is high, I have to make sure none of it touches my skin. So I have to make sure I wear a shirt with a collar uh, and long sleeves uh, underneath it. Otherwise, I just come out in a, a big itchy rash. It's very attractive. Oh, yeah. okay. So what about Ugg boots then? Or do you not have Ugg boots? Ugg boots don't affect me. I wonder why. Is that because they still have the oil in them? Hmm. I don't no, know. my Ugg boots are fine. I've got actual real wool Ugg boots. Uh, sorry, vegans, and um, they don't they don't affect me. So um, that's weird. It's it's more on my torso, like my neck, especially my neck, my face, and my arms yeah. and my torso itch like crazy. It's not fun. Hmm, well, that's hmm. interesting. Okay, Beck. So imagine I am listening to this podcast and I go, yes, that sounds like me. I want an intentional wardrobe. I want less but better. How how do you go about it? How do you build an intentional right. wardrobe? Do I need to chuck out everything I own? And Possibly, but no. <laughs> Definitely you don't have to do that from right from the start. And I will tell you that I've done this process and it's taken me at least five years or probably actually I've been doing it for longer than that, but I've had my intentional wardrobe now for a couple of years. So I think it. my journey started when I engaged the services of a stylist and that stylist helped me understand how to define my style. And even though my style has changed since I saw that stylist and I'm kind of wearing a lot of different things, I now know what suits me and I know what I'm comfortable in and I know how to define that, I guess. And that was probably the first step that I took. And the second step that I took was to choose my or define my palette. And, again, the stylist helped with that significantly. Um, the stylist was really good at teaching me how to mix colours and 
that was something that held me back for a long time because I didn't know how to wear colors together. I only know how, knew how to wear a color with a neutral, not colors together. And mm-hmm. once I learned what colors love other colors, I was so much more comfortable buying clothes and buying got buying colored clothes and wearing them together and getting more combinations out of the few the the less clothes the fewer clothes that I had. So when you're defining your style there's you can just you can google it basically and you'll find a whole lot of um, different websites about how to find your style and there's several retailers online retailers that will define all these different styles and there are so many different styles defined by so many different people but you know you've got your basics you've got your classic which is your, your tailored stuff low fashion um, doesn't doesn't change very often uh, usually st- firm straight lines so nothing tight nothing baggy um tailored sort of looks then you've got like your sexy look so your your cleavages and your tight stuff and your short stuff you've got your corporate look um which sort of speaks for itself there's um there's boho which is loose um colorful um high print um yeah like flowy flowy kind of stuff yeah then there's more of a Similar to boho, you've got like tribal, so tribal with feathers Mm -hmm. and fringes and natural colours and things like that. Then there's um, goth where lots of black and lots of torn ripped things and lots of metal and um, maybe some tartan in there and stuff like that. And uh, what are some other ones? There's uh, extravagant and... Well, so what's what's your style? Preppy. So mm-hmm. mine's mostly preppy. In winter, I'm mostly preppy, and in summer, I'm preppy slash oh, boho feminine sort of because that's their feminine's another one that we didn't talk. So feminine is lots of um, lots of florals, lots of soft colors, uh, lots of movement, uh, that kind of thing. And when and, and men can wear um, have a feminine style as well if they want. Feminine doesn't mean that only females wear them. It's just kind of a stereotypical name for a particular style or a set of characteristics. But, yeah, mine's preppy. I, I wear lots of shirts with knits and pants and flat brogues and um, shoes like that. So... I'm very much the the kind of the the prep on the preppy side of things. Um, then there's sporty. You know, you could be wearing lots of sporty stuff. There's the outdoorsy style, so your cargo pants and your boots and um, jackets with lots of zips and stuff. Can you tell I'm not overly outdoorsy? <laughs> when I go rock climbing, I look I get, at all the so- people that are wearing real rock climbing stuff. I'm in my gym gear at rock climbing, and I can you can tell the difference between the indoor rock climbers and the outdoor rock climbers at rock climbing. <laughs> And I look and I'm like, you're an outdoor rock climber. I'm an indoor rock climber because <laughs> I wear gym gear. But, um, oh, yeah. So it. so I'm guessing if, like, for me, I would, if I wanted to figure out what my style was and define my style, I would probably create a board on Pinterest mm. and then when I see images of people with outfits I like and that kind of thing start throwing them on my Pinterest board and, you know, kind of gather a collection of of things that I like the look of or I think would work for me and that kind of thing. And is that a way yeah. to kind of niche down and figure out what it is, just collect yep. images? collecting images is good. And that, that will help as well because that won't define you to one particular style. So you might actually have two styles that suit you. Um, you know, you might be rather 
let's say, corporate at work, but you might have a really outrageous style and so you go for the more extravagant stuff on the weekends. So you might be very much um, in corporate fitting in conservative mode during the week and then on the weekends all your clothes scream look at me look at me and and that's perfectly okay mm-hmm. and so if you were to try and put yourself into one of the boxes you know you would miss out on on half of your wardrobe so um that that will by choosing a whole lot of things that you like and collecting them up together and and saying you know this is me uh, you're not missing out on any of the the styles that really are you now talk me through defining your palette okay there's some help that you can get online with this to figure out what colors suit you uh, or you can engage a stylist as well um, which who will help you decide what colors suit but basically you've got to work out what what are the colors that suit you or that you enjoy wearing so I'm a big I'm not a fan of this is one thing I have against a lot of the not stylists personally but the whole styling industry is they focus very much on hide your flaws accentuate your assets and only wear things that suit you or make you look good and you know I sort of think I I would like it if women especially because men tend to do this naturally anyway if women could just wear what they loved whether it suits them or not you know so you've got short legs who cares Wear, wear the pants that you love, whether they make your legs look shorter or whether they make your legs look longer. Who cares? You know, it's it's not just wear the pants that you love. So that part of me sort of says when you are dis- defining your palette, look for styles that suit you um, but at the same time that's really just almost a vanity thing. Um, do it if you want and it does help if you do choose the colours that suit you because otherwise people keep asking if you're well <laughs> or not. You know, are you okay because you're wearing a colour that makes you look, you know, really mm-hmm. pale or gives you really sunken eyes or something like that. But the most most, the most important thing though is to find the colours that you love and um, your favourite colours to wear and base your palette around those favourite colours. So you can either go with your favourite colours or the ones that suit you best or your favourites within the ones that suit you best, which is where I've gone. And you will, like you said. Um, I've got a, yeah, I was going to say I, I had someone give me my colours or work out what my, you know, range of colours were a number of years ago and then I have kind of just stuck with that and one of the things and I know I've mentioned this in other episodes is like the color orange like I love Mm. a really like or an orange red I love that color and someone said to me about a million years ago that it suited Mm. me and I've kind of clung to that color because I both love it and I thought yes this is this is it this is my color and it was not until I knew the whole wardrobe series was coming up this month that I um, was like, oh, yeah, we'll probably bring up palettes. And I'm like, I don't know if mine, what mine fits into if I'm a, you know, warm mm. autumn palette or a cool winter or, you know, whatever the, the terms are for them. And I thought, oh, maybe I should figure that what my palette is called in case it comes up. And I went in and I'll put a link. I feel like, is it the Cardigan yeah. Empire? Is that? Does yeah. that ring a bell? They have a, a nice way. If you're thinking, I have no idea about my colours, you can pay someone to do it or you can kind of cobble it together mm. online and it goes through your hair colour, eye colour, you know, skin tone, a few things like that. Um, or you can just grab some random coloured 
clothing or fabrics from around your house and stand in front of a mirror and put them up next to your face without makeup on and see if they work with you. But I realised that orange or like a orange red is not my colour anymore and I'm thinking, that's mad. But when I had my colours done, I had really dark chocolate brown hair Uh and um, I've just kind of always assumed that my colours were my colours and that it didn't matter. I didn't really know how mm. they did it. It didn't really matter what I changed. Now I have blonde hair and or blonde highlights and that's because my children are sending me grey <laughs> and so I had to camouflage that and I was not, not coping with the upkeep of keeping it mm. really dark. So I've gone lighter and I've redone my colours and it's completely different and I'm like, how bizarre is that there's still big chunks of my wardrobe which are fine the neutrals obviously are fine um all my pale blues and denims Mm. are great but the big thing I revealed is that I'm not so much of a bright color but now because of the color of my hair and what that does to the color of my skin that I should be wearing more muted tones and I was like it's a revelation so when I was out with uh, my daughter for our birthdays a few weeks ago, we were shopping and I was like, I'm going to try on colours I would never pick up normally. And I bought myself a pale pink mm. bomber jacket, which I've not had pink in my wardrobe since <laughs> I was about 12. <laughs> but I would never pick it up because I thought it wasn't my colour. And now I'm like, actually, I can wear mm. this. So I haven't I haven't thrown out all no, the don't, orange Because in my the, that orange does actually, mm. I really still think that orange suits you. I still genuinely think it does, even when you're blonde. I still honestly think it does because I've seen you in it. (laughs) What I have found, though, is that if I put something on, so I've got a really fire engine red jumper on today, is that I've just put a uh, grey and white, you know, very muted scarf between my jumper and my face and it's perfect. Mm. It works. So, yeah, the whole whole palette thing is very interesting. So I guess... The point of me saying that very long convoluted story is that just because you think you know your colours or have been given them, don't be afraid to go and explore and see if that's still the case Um, because there's a chance that 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 might have changed over time with your hair colour or, you know, skin tone or something like that. So what I've done with my palette was, and I did when I was a teenager, you know when colour, like doing getting your colours done was really big in the 80s and so my mum got us all done Mm -hmm. and I was like a spring something warm spring or I don't know but then when I saw my stylist she she sort of gave me a a slightly different palette and her advice basically was for me was you just want light bright light bright colors with um, life in them so they're the colours that I actually feel the most comfortable in as well. And so that's sort of I sort of went along with that quite a lot. And and the colours that that I tend to wear now are, you know, those those kinds of ones where I've got to have a bit of life in them. So, you know, chocolate browns and burgundies and olive doesn't really suit me. Um so I've got to sort of stay away from from those kinds of colours. They they're too heavy for me. Uh, whereas, you know, lighter, lighter colours like the oranges and the peaches and um you know things like that do suit me but there are lots of colors that suit me that I don't actually own and that's that's where we're coming to the point of this the palette of an intentional wardrobe is that you might have 
20 odd colors that suit you. But if you tried to have a wardrobe that had all of those colors in them, you would find that there would be a lot of single use items because they don't necessarily match together. And so what I've done is I've said, okay, I know because my stylist taught me that orange tones and blue tones uh, love each other, that orange and gray love each other, and that um, blues and neutrals love each other. And so what I've done is I've gotten um, a palette that enables me to just limit them to orangey tones and blue tones. So, and I've gone with orange rather than having that, the bright oranges that, that you like, I've gone for the more peaches and apricots. So I'm on the pinker end of those oranges as far as what I've mm-hmm. chosen. And then they go really well with all of my blues. And so it means that if you look at my wardrobe right now, you'd find that most of the items are uh, peaches, uh, every range of blue from sky pale pale baby blue right through to navy blue, except for that, um, what's that bright blue that I, I don't like? I like a cobalt. Cobalt, yeah, I can't wear cobalt. So I don't wear that one. But all of the others uh, I will wear. And and so there's not much in my wardrobe that isn't those colours and there's occasional touches of other colours. So I might have a blue print with a bit of yellow in it and um, that's, you know, fine because that will still go with all of my other things and I probably wouldn't put a print with anything peach anyway. I'd probably put it with my neutrals. So in my wardrobe I've got white, grey, navy blue, all the other blues, peaches, apricots and um, tan and that's about it. And a terracotta. Any black? I go a bit terracotta sometimes. Sorry? Any black? Yes. Yeah. And I have black as well. So black's another one of my neutrals. So my three neutrals are tan, grey, mm-hmm. and black. Or four. Tan, grey, black, and white. And I probably should wear mm-hmm. off white, given that I'm quite pale, but I can't be bothered most of the time and I just go for white. <laughs> I just make sure I put <laughs> lipstick on. <laughs> I just don't wear white without makeup. You know, uh, I'm just selective there. But it, I'm not too fussy. I'm like, I don't. You know, you get to an age where you're like, you know what, if this doesn't suit me but I like it and I feel like wearing it, then, you know, who cares? I don't care. So I just buy them anyway. But when you've got a palette that is a little bit restricted and that matches well together, then you don't need to buy as many clothes. And so that's where I would say to people, and that's why I stopped buying red, even though it suits me, and some greens, even though they suit me. I've got the odd piece. I've got a red dress for summer because that doesn't need to go with anything. It's my, it's 43 degrees and I've got to go to the shop's dress. Um, but skirts, if I do buy a skirt, I have to make sure that it, it matches the the other things that I've got. And so occasionally there'll be a one-off piece, like I've got a bright green skirt, and that goes goes really well with a peachy coloured um, singlet that I've got, a peach T-shirt that I've got, and a peach shirt that I have. It's peach and emerald green look awesome together. And, um, again, once you work out what colours look nice together, um, you'll be able to just sort of narrow it down a little bit and occasionally bring other colours in. But for the most part, the bulk of your wardrobe is that one colour. Does that make sense? It totally mm. makes sense. So I will, um, if, you've, if you've got no idea about your palette, I will put a link to Cardigan Empire um, on the show notes. But if you just Google... Um, find my color palette there is so many options Mm. out there um and if all else fails find some colors in your wardrobe and wear them Mm. (laughs) and then see see what you feel makes your face glow and see what makes you look (laughs) sick because it's a pretty it becomes Mm. pretty clear after a while 
Um, you just need to take the time yeah. to do it. And ask your friends too as well what they think, you know, your best colours are because uh, they'll have a good idea as well. Mm. So the next step in building your wardrobe is actually now doing it. Um, so the first few steps were all kind of on paper where you were just writing down or pinning your styles and your colours and now it's actually time to dive into your wardrobe. And so what you need to do is now get rid of as much as you possibly can that doesn't fit your style, that isn't part or isn't within the palette that you've defined your wardrobe is going to contain and doesn't fit you or make you feel fantastic or is damaged in some way and you're not going to repair it. So the next step basically is culling um, anything that doesn't fit in with your vision of an intentional wardrobe. If you uh, need a refresh on how to decide and some of the questions you can ask yourself, skip back two episodes on the one about decluttering and organising your wardrobe. And the first half of that we talk about how to work out what you should keep and what you should let go. So that's a, a good place to go back to and revisit. Yeah, for sure. And so once you've culled, it doesn't, you're not actually then going to just go out and go madly shopping. But what you'll do after you've culled your wardrobe and you've just got left in there what is part of your new uh, intentional wardrobe and fits your style and fits your palette, you'll need to possibly replace some of the items that you culled. So you know, if you culled a whole lot of things that didn't fit you anymore and then you realise you actually don't have any jeans that do fit you, then you will want to add that to your wanted list. And part of having an intentional wardrobe is intentionally acquiring and that means not buying things unless you actually need them. So you don't just go shopping and go, oh, that top's nice, I'll buy it. Or that's on sale, I'm going to get three of those. You actually have a list either in your head or written down, depending on how long it is and what your memory is like, of all of the things that you need to either build your the, the capsule to um, add to your wardrobe to create more outfits uh, or things that you need to replace because they're not quite right. So, for example, if you've got a coat that's got a hole in it but it's your only coat, you won't cull that immediately but you will add a replacement to your list and so that next time you go shopping you'll be on the lookout for a coat in a certain style and a certain colour to replace the damaged one that you've kept um, because you don't have any other coat. And so, you know, having that list all of the time in your head or written down somewhere means that you will slowly build up your wardrobe. And that's pretty much, you know, for the first few years I was culling and getting used to the idea of not having certain palettes, uh, certain colours in my wardrobe and certain styles in my wardrobe and just getting rid of the things that were just getting in my way and hanging around for too long and not being worn. And then I went through a stage of building it and now I'm into the replacement stage. So when something is damaged or I've gotten too wide for, uh, I need to then replace them. And um, and so that's the, the phase that you go through. So there's the culling phase, uh, then there's the rebuilding phase, and then there's the maintenance phase. So you, at the moment, you'll go through the culling phase and then you'll begin your acquiring phase if you need to. Some people will cull half of their wardrobe and still have everything that they need to to meet their internal, their intentional wardrobe requirements, but some might need to go shopping. I um, am doing a 
closet organize a virtual declutter and reorganize for a girl in California at the moment shout Mm -hmm. out to Jen if you're listening and we are aiming for she has a small space and a small wardrobe and lots of clothes and so we are trying to turn it into an intentional wardrobe slim it down fit the space but also maintain all the different styles that she uses and loves and um, we've done this exact thing. We said to her, um, po- I said to her, pop a post-it note or other little notebook somewhere in your wardrobe, either put the post-it note, she, you know, um, stuck against one of the walls. And that same thing, if you wear an item and you think, right, this is getting getting old, I need to um, replace it, pop it on your, your little post-it note, your wanted items list. Or if you're regularly wearing, you know, dresses and skirts and think, oh, these would look great with a, Mm. you know, tan belt, but I don't have one, write it on your list and don't, you know, don't necessarily rush out and get it. But next time you decide to go shopping or once you've got a a number of things on the list, then you can go looking and go, right, I needed to replace that white T-shirt. I need a tan belt to um, help accessorise these number of dresses, you know, and it's that whole thing about just not impulse buying but having real deep centered thought about what you need and what you will use and so that's something that we're doing with her at the moment is trying to um get her to to hop off the train of of impulse Mm. shopping and just put some thought into what is needed and that's it's something that we often fall well most people will sort of fall into that habit of the the unintentional shopping and we need to turn that around to be more mindful Uh, we need to be very aware of when we're shopping and why and you know, one of my favourite mantras for bargain hunters, especially those that are bargain hunters of clothes, is if I didn't need it before I saw it, I can't have it. And, you know, you need to keep saying that to yourself, that, you know, you're shopping and you spot something and if it's not on your list, then you don't buy it because you didn't need it. And if you've spent three to six months building that list, you'll know whether you need really do need something or not because you've spent a lot of time thinking about it. And uh, whereas if it's just that, you know, you walk past something and go, ooh, it's only $15, then that's not an intentional purchase. Mm. Or me with my pink bomber <laughs> jacket, which I was like, it says I can wear that colour. I don't know if I believe it. Ooh, it's it. I like it. I'm taking it home. But it's linen. Oh, it is linen. Nice. So technically it was an ethical purchase <laughs> and it was expensive. So I don't know if that makes it better or worse. It's still it is still unintentional. Uh, but though. we do, you just, you just did exactly, you just demonstrated exactly what we do. We buy on impulse and then we attempt to justify on logic afterwards, don't we? Mm. Although I did, st- but, I but. did stand there and go, right, uh, how many things yeah. do this go with? And I stood in the change room and was like, right, I could wear it with those trousers. I could wear it with those jeans. I could wear that skirt. Yeah. Then, yep. 10, minimum 10 yep. things, okay, it can come home. Because I thought okay, this will be the only pink thing that you have. Yeah. I've bought in 20 years and I'm like, it, I can't just take it home on a whim. I, I bought it on a whim. <laughs> yeah. But, but I was like, I can't put it in my wardrobe. It'll be laughed out by all the orange <laughs> unless it goes with heaps yeah. of stuff. And it does. And that's the so thing. I'm okay um, you've got green in your wardrobe too and pink loves green. This is the thing with intentional wardrobes as well is that if you are in that situation where you do, you are tempted by a, a little bit of an impulse buy, it becomes a little bit less impulsive if you have an intentional wardrobe because you knew everything that you owned in your wardrobe. You know all the clothes that you have. And so you're then able to make that judgment call at sort of 
and on impulse you can make and a judgment on your impulsive purchase um, to make it more intentional. And when you have an intentional yeah. wardrobe, well, it, yeah, it becomes an informed, yeah, yeah it decision, does, because it? you're not, um, you because you're aware of everything in your wardrobe, you're less likely to make a mistake in that purchase because you are thinking about things like, well, how many jackets do I already have? Um, what can I wear with them? And what can I wear on the, the bottom? And what can I wear underneath them? And you're considering all of the things that you've got in your wardrobe when you're making that one purchase instead of just making it based on that one item alone. And so, you know, mm. when you do have an intentional wardrobe, you can sometimes impulse buy without the mistakes that you may have made in the past with an unintentional wardrobe when you impulse bought, if that makes sense. Yeah. And look, this um, brings us beautifully to our next tip about one in Mm. and one out, because I have that rule with my wardrobe. If I bring something in, something has to go. Um, And because even if you think you're acquiring intentionally, if you're just acquiring and not letting things go, um, then you lose that swishable Mm. factor and you lose the air in your wardrobe. Um, So you want to, once you get it to the right size, you got to work out a way to maintain it then. So I came home with my pink linen bomber jacket and worked out what an equivalent was. So it's not a heavy jacket. It's the kind of thing I'd take out in summer or I'd layer up Mm. in winter. So I let go of one of my my denim jackets uh, because I own (laughs) a few. And so I, so the pink one came in and one of my denim mm. ones came out, but it, it was, I have to have that in my head before I take it to the counter in the yeah. shops because, or before I put it in my bag, if I'm shopping online, knowing what is going out. Cause if I can't think of something that I'm prepared to let go of, then I won't bring yeah, anything else. Exactly. In. And when you've got your wardrobe at that optimum level where it's not stuffed full, but you can't, but if you put any more in it, it would be then you need to engage that one in one out because otherwise you just unconsciously fill it just to, to crammed again and it becomes you know a lot less usable and so that that habit once you've got your wardrobe at the right amount of clothes um, you obviously need that habit to keep it at that right amount of clothes and it's a nice easy way of both reining in some purchases and also keeping the volume um, at an appropriate level as well. Have you got any other maintenance habits you can think of, Beck? Yeah, I'm I'm trying to go at the moment I'm in maintenance mode and I did do some acquisitions last week because I was running out of clothes. Now that it's getting colder, I realised I didn't have quite enough um, button-down shirts um, to go under my knits. So I went out and bought a few shirts and I already knew the colours that I needed and I'd been thinking about it for a while. So I did actually acquire a few new things last week. But for the most part now I'm in replacement mode and so that's pretty much anything that starts to fall apart uh, I will go and replace. But that's pretty much the only time I go shopping for things now. And so being in maintenance mode means not in active acquisition or in active culling. It's just the things that leave, leave naturally. And if you have bought things because you love them and they fit you and they are going to last a long time, then usually they can only leave your wardrobe because they've completely deteriorated. If you are buying intentionally and if you've defined your style and your palette, there won't be too many clothes that leave your wardrobe 
because you just don't like them or because you found you haven't worn them as much as you thought. That starts to happen a lot less. The more intentional your wardrobe gets, the more things just hang around a lot longer. And so you tend to end up naturally just replacing things when they fall apart. And, you know, I had uh, an experience last week or the week before where I bought a new pair of shoes and I'd had these beautiful I just these shoes that I was totally in love with and I've had them for years like six seven years and they were leather leather brogues and they were woven they were beautiful Spanish leather brogues I I just loved them I had two pair at one point and the first pair fell apart and then the second pair hung on for another few more years and I'd literally worn through the sole of them and they were falling apart basically and so I'd been on the lookout for the last few months because I knew this was coming uh, as they weren't looking very well and I'd been on lookout for a replacement pair and I'm pretty fussy and so it took me a while and I was scouting and then last week I found the pair and I was like yes finally I've got a replacement pair so I bought them and I came home and I got my old pair that I just loved so much and I gave them to my husband and I said can you put these in the bin because I just can't <laughs> I cannot do it myself I just literally cannot face throwing these away and I knew I had to because I couldn't wear them like I said I there was a a hole in the sole that they were leather sold and I'd worn them right through I probably should have looked after them better but I just loved them so much I wore them four times a week and about an hour later I said to him because he just said yeah okay and then didn't say anything else and never said another thing and about an hour later I said did you throw those shoes away and he looked at me and he said what shoes what are you talking about <laughs> I'm like oh thank you let's not talk about that again <laughs> but it, it hurt to let go of those but I've also had so much joy in my new ones and because I'd spent a lot of time finding them, I am completely in love with them as well. So, you know, and I just got comp- got complimented on them yesterday and it just sort of I thought, oh, yeah, I did the right thing. I finally let go and I finally bought um, some new ones. So it hurts sometimes to let go of something that you've loved so much but you do that buying the replacement can, can also give you some joy as well. So um, it's got a happy ending sort of. I'm still a bit sad. I think, but I think the key takeaway in that is how awesome to have a wardrobe where you look in there and the stuff that is looking back at you is stuff mm. that you love. Because so many of us look in our wardrobes and go, <laughs> "Ugh, I don't know, so mm. many things, nothing to yeah. wear, or you know, uh, completely uninspired." And I think that's that's what that's my why mm. and. W- where I am trying to get to with my wardrobe is because I want to, and it increases month by month as I let things go and keep hold of the things that I really love. I walk into my wardrobe now and go, I love this. I mm. I have, I am spoiled for choice because everything looking back at me is stuff that I love and I feel good in. And I think that's got to be the end point is that you know you you look in your wardrobe and are filled with joy rather than filled with yep. dread. And and so that's a nice thing to take away that you know, you look at you looked at those brogues and you loved mm. them, um, and they served you well and you let them go and now you know the next pair yeah. will take their place. And yeah, you'll love them. and that's the thing, and that's where I've got to the point now is where instead of standing in front of my wardrobe going, oh, I've got nothing to wear, it's more like, oh, I'll wear that. Oh no, oh I want to wear that. Oh, I want to wear that <laughs> because. I, I love it all and, you know, it, it all excites me. And looking in my wardrobe might not excite somebody else but it's very me and it suits me and I, there's there's still, I mean, I was looking at it the other day and there's a couple of 
nits on the bottom of the pile that sort of don't often get worn and I was thinking of maybe culling a few of those but I do still love them I just love other ones more and so they tend to get worn a bit more Mm -hmm. so for me it's now part it's at the point of if I do some culling it's because I just don't love it quite enough even though I do love it Um, I just don't love it quite enough and so it can go um, to to make room but at the moment I've got plenty of air in my wardrobe so I don't need to do any active culling but there'll be there'll be a point at which I do when I want to replace those those knits if I even need to and that's the thing I could probably get rid of three knits without having to buy replacements because I do have quite a lot because they are my favorite everyday clothes and uh, I do like a bit of variety but that's the thing. You know, I look in my wardrobe now and I'm excited about, you know, what I get what I get to wear. And one of my favorite things is when the seasons change and I can pull out all of my summer stuff for things that I haven't seen for quite a while and, you know, we're we're happily reunited and I get all excited and I get to wear them again. So for me, that's the biggest indicator of an intentional wardrobe and when you know you're there is when everything fits and you love it all and you find it easy to get dressed every day. And that's where I want everybody to get to eventually. So wrapping this up, we've talked through lots of episodes about letting go. While you're letting go of your items, try and be really careful with how you let them go. Take, send them to fabric recyclers if they're damaged and, and not fit to be sold. Otherwise, take things to charity stores. You can offer them to other people if you think they're things that people would would like but um, don't dump them on people Mm -hmm. like we've said so be really mindful about letting go and while we're talking of letting go can we give a huge shout out to some of our fabulous listeners that have been slogging away doing the men's game this month Um, you will be hearing this right towards the end of June if you're not in our community you need to get in there and support these people there's a brilliant kind of dynamic and a little hum of energy going on in our Facebook community. And we're all getting behind these men's game participants who are really killing it. So well done to all of you. They are doing so well. And I have failed dismally. They've all beaten the pants off me because I think I did like five days (laughs) and then I haven't had time to do any more. And so if you're interested maybe in doing the men's game another month and you want to get advice from people who have done it also join our Facebook community group because then all the people that have done so well this month can cheer you on next month as well because they've been there and they've done it and they can help you along the way as well and our challenge for this week is to start having a think about your style have a look online or in magazines and take note when you see a person wearing an outfit that you like or a style that you think would suit you or that you'd be comfortable in and start either pinning those items somewhere online or taking a photo with your phone and um, save them somewhere and start trying to niche down your style so that you can start your way towards an intentional wardrobe. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all of your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you would like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via Facebook and Instagram or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.